0: Mr. journey. Bay County Jail, like most communities, is a city into itself. Throughout this country, we have detention facilities for people in each county, and Bay County Jail is both the largest hotel and restaurant, one of the largest mental health centers. They hold a thousand people almost every day of the year. Those range from misdemeanors to murder, and most of the people in there. Are Against their will. Most of them have complicated issues that range from mental health to substance abuse to obviously from the criminal charges they're facing. That creates an a awesome responsibility for the sheriff of every county, and it's true of Sheriff Ford here in Bay County. You're going to meet Brent K. Anglin, who's the major, and that's his life. Major Anglin, you're going to hear, is, has an extensive history. He's run correctional facilities for the state. He's worked in the prison system, he's worked here, and that his main management capacity is the care, custody, and control of the souls in the Bay County Jail. Jails have to deal with issues that we on the outside don't really understand. Dealing with substance abuse, you're going to hear that despised movies like Escape from Alcatraz, often, much more often, the danger for those inmates is by themselves that you have to worry about literally overdoses. You have to literally worry about substance abuse and suicide. You have to literally be addressing whatever happens to them and that over half the budget is trying to keep them, not from going away from there, but to keep them safe inside the walls. Based on that, they have to keep up straight everything, every aspect of their lives. Who they talk to. They have segregation so that you don't have gangs or fights or communication. Their phone calls are monitored, the food, what time they eat is monitored, and, of course, the medication and things are monitored. But you're going to hear that, like every other jail, that the Bay County Jail is struggling with lots of unauthorized problems. You're going to hear that narcotics and other types of contraband are found through in it, and that Florida law has come for and criminalized anyone who should take part in them. You're going to hear that prisoners are often trying to, Something called a kite. And the kites are small paper packages, whether they be notes or packages that are sent. Sometimes those are facilitated by corrections officers, often by inmates themselves, and that there's a mass amount of communication, that there's what's called a pod system at the Bay County Jail where you have one central issue, and then there are separate pods, some for women, from for juveniles, and that way we can segregate some people apart from one another who have problems being together. Because of all of these issues, you're going to meet a man named Mark Bailey. Mark Bailey has been working as a deputy sheriff for over 20 something years and they have enough issues inside the jail that they have a full time investigator inside the jail just to keep up with criminal investigations. Mr. Bailey has worked out doing vice and narcotics and all types of other investigations in the community and that as a sergeant, he's now been assigned to work inside the jail to try to help when crimes are committed at the jail. And that he had just started that about a year ago. Now, I've told you that one of the things we monitor is the jail call system. Anytime that you call someone or receive a call from the county jail, you're going to hear a bunch of them. There's a, a warning you're receiving a call from the Bay County jail. And it tells you who's calling. All of this is subject to monitoring and reporting. And it allows you to access and track when people are making calls, and we can see which phone numbers. And you're going to hear that Mark Bailey was doing just that familiarizing himself with the system back on August 17th of last year. And when he was doing it, he heard a voice he recognized. He heard the voice of an old friend, the defendant, Craig Wilson. He's going to tell you that he's known Wilson for years, literally decades, that they've worked as law enforcement officers together, and that he knew it when he it became a prosecutor, knew when he was the chief assistant, and that, as soon as he heard him, he struck an exchange, what the heck is Greg Wilson doing talking on the jail call? So he caught his attention and he started listening. That started an investigation that ends with you here today. That first detective's mindset of why is Greg Wilson led to him listening to the rest of the call, and you'll hear it. And you're going to hear that a woman named Christy White-Robbins was in custody of the Bay County Division. That the two of them were talking, but they weren't having a lawyer kind of conversation. Sometimes they talk about law, and yes, he did represent her, but often it goes well beyond that. The evidence is going to show that they were involved in a romantic relationship and that their conversations were far more common and intimate than what commonly happens between an attorney and his client. And you're going to hear that on that 17th call. I'm sure I was just asking about talking to him about what's in the car. They, they got some stuff in the car, but there's still some other things in the car. How is it that you get into the jail? She asked him, because of the attorney, is he able to come into the jail? Do you come through the standard way? When can you come see me? Can you go get it? And words to that. A, well, as an investigator, he obviously is worried about, it. okay, Did Wilson, is this, with this uh, person in custody? This inmate trying to get evidence suppressed, Is he trying to get somebody to bring this evidence, perhaps drugs, into the jail? And so he continues to listen. You're going to hear that he immediately goes and tells his supervisor, Major Rick Engle, hey, this is unusual. I've got Greg Wilson on line. I recognize him. He's talking to her. They listen to the call, and that begins a larger investigation. Because of the nature of who it is, because of his status as a prosecutor and everything else, it's very close hold. You're going to learn that the sheriff is notified, his two majors, Major, major Stanford, who's the head of investigation, Major Anglin, the head of the jail, and once again, the sergeant, are the three people who start looking into this. You're going to hear that he goes back and listens to the initial, and you'll once again be able to listen to the initial call on the 9th of August, when she is initially arrested for DUI and possession of narcotics controlled substances. You're going to hear that they start validating. They're talking about getting things out of the car. Where is the car? They validate indeed. The car is at the jail from where she was arrested. They look at the time of the call. This call, once again, is initially discovered on August the 17th, but the call was actually made on August the 14th. So three days have happened since this conversation. So they look at the log and they realize that it's too late. Greg Wilson has already come after that 814 call to the jail and see him. Have they missed something? So they start continuing that investigation. They find that he comes, they record 39 different phone conversations between Greg Wilson's cell phone and Clista White. You're going to hear that they continue the investigation because they've got to find out. Clearly they're having their personal conversations. Clearly he's coming to see her regularly. But they don't stop there. They actually go in and they have small rooms, you're gonna hear about six foot by seven foot, something like that, where they have what's called interview. That is members of the court and officers of the court, attorneys are allowed to have face-to-face contact without the piece of glass between them. And so they but they want to be able to understand, is things being passed, is there contraband? Is there a concern for what this coaching is leading to? So they set up this cameras and they're able to see what's happening. You're going to hear Rick Anglin is the only person as the, as the major of the jail. He directs his IT. They don't even know what the investigation I want this. I'm the only person who has access to it. I want to know every time Greg Wilson comes into this jail and so that I can monitor by this investigation. You're going to hear that that monitoring continued until the 13th of September when Greg Wilson, once again, you're going to be able to watch him come in, be searched by metal detectors, walk through, sign in, and go into the waiting room to meet Euclister White. But you're also going to be able to see what happens between them, it's going to show very clearly that crystal White walks in, while you can't hear a word, you can see her take a package, small, looks like a paper football, out of her purse and hand it onto the pad of the defendant, Greg Wilson. You can see they kind of move it around. First she tries to kind of slip it into his hand. He acts like it's not even there. She then slips it between two pieces of notebook paper. They move it around a little bit. Then they have a meeting that lasts over an hour. they are more talking. And then towards the end of the conversation, he hands her the pad and she writes a note. You can't tell what they're writing. Once again, we're not trying to listen to them, but you can see her write a note. And that, once again, they move that note around. He then closes his pad. She leaves. The next person to come in is her sister, Christy White. Christy White, you're going to hear, has a terrible addiction problem. She has literally overdosed in the Bay County Jail. Christy White walks in. Greg Wilson opens the notepad, shows her the note that her sister has written. She picks up a piece of paper and puts it into her bag. This is all being live, observed by the deputies at the Bay County Jail. They then watch the rest of the meeting. Fairly short, she gets up and walks out, and of course, they call down and say, Hey, go and let's search, find out what she's got. But she got away. From it. <clears throat> Ironically, even though they sit there and call corrections officers, once again, this is such a close hold. Operation. They have no idea. They can't say, we just saw her put something in breast pocket. They can't let it out, the fact that they're observing this. So they just say, go and check Christy. You're going to actually be able to see the video of them do a quick search of her. You're going to see that they don't find anything. They actually end up finding a wrapper for a firewall. doesn't have anything to do. They tested it. But that the note is not initially intercepted. She goes into her pod, as I said, which is the bunk area. I think she may refer to it as her room. She goes into there for a few minutes, and then this time they get a more experienced officer, Sergeant Maestro, to go in and, hey, no, we know she's got a note. Go find it. And you're going to hear from him where he goes in and says, okay, we know you got something. Where is it? She goes and looks at her bunks, hands him a handwritten note. They take the evidence, and you'll see that today. But the investigation doesn't stop there. Once again, we continue to observe, and what we are able to find after that is that the next day, the 14th, another jail call happens between Crystal and the defendant. And she tells him, hey, you need to know, I got searched. They found that kite, that package. He just, hey, hey, this is the, you can hear the kind of, what, what, well, you didn't know it was there. I just hid it in the chair, and my sister got it. But they searched me. Of course, you didn't know anything about that. You'll be able to hear that conversation as the hatch is made, as the clock to, once again, allow him. See, they don't know that it's under video surveillance. So, okay, we found something on you. The word is you just hid it under the chair. And that's later confirmed when we're able to do find yet another phone call between the sisters. One of the ways that communications are compromised in a jail is something called a three-way call. It's nice if you've got families, but it's actually something that you can manipulate. You're going to hear that we're able to intercept Clista White talking to her mother on the phone, and that Christy, in another pod, does a three-way call. The mother drops off, and now the girls, each talking to the mother on a three-way call, are able to openly communicate through the phone system. They have a conversation, once again, You'll be able to hear it where they talk about, hey, they got that. They got half a kite. Half a kite. What did we not get? As suspected, we weren't able to initially get it. What she got back? What else was how What's the other half? I would suggest you would not know. However, it is clear that the girls are passing things beyond just communication through that note. They're certainly sending notes back and forth. And that each part of that is, in fact, taking it from Clister is a crime. Giving it to Christy is a crime. The investigation continues to September 29th. We continue to monitor, and at that point, you're going to hear that Mark Bailey has to do what he really doesn't want to do. He has to go and talk to his friend about what's going on. You're going to hear that he is, once again, he's talking to an attorney, former assistant state attorney, that he does the whole thing by the book. He's recorded, there's not going to be any question of the words that are stated. He takes him in, puts him under oath. You're going to hear this conversation. You're going to hear that Greg Wilson, once again, has given enough oath as an attorney. He, so help me God. And he unequivocally denies having anything to do with the passing of materials between Christie. Clip. To facilitate it, I take my the paper clips and staples out of the papers when I give it to them. In case you may hear about that, they actually inmates will actually use paper clips and uh, staples to tattoo each other. They, he's he, he's unequivocal. He knows exactly because he has worked in this field. You're going to hear that he used to take Leadership Bay to the very Bay County Jail and listen to Rick Anglin give the speech about. How big a problem they have with introduction of contraband. How they have to try to regulate. How they're worried. His biggest nightmare is not somebody going over the wall, but dying in the jail. So, on this sworn statement, you'll hear Greg Wilson recognize his own capability that is the second crime. He knew was life. He didn't know at that time that we had it on camera. He was falling into the plot line. Those girls, yeah, I told them they shouldn't be smuggling. told them they shouldn't have done this. Ladies and gentlemen, the jury. Uh, this is going to be a fairly straightforward crime, but it is an important one, as we talked about yesterday. Nobody in this country is above the law, and nobody's beneath it. Greg Wilson facilitated two inmates passing notes. Whatever else the other half of the kite held, he broke the law. When he lied about it under oak, he broke it up. Thank you.